0: Trying to do both of these businesses at the same time, so closing one just allowed me to do more of what I was already doing. I was already a Canva verified expert. I already had all this content. I already had a significant list belt built that I was, you know, selling courses to and all of this. I just needed the freedom and the time to be able to further build visibility, further refine my systems, and and all of that. So it was not a difficult transition because the hard part came trying to build all of that alongside running the website development agency. So, I mean, I, I understand some folks who want their, their, what do you call them, multi-passionate entrepreneurs. You can have multiple things mm-hmm. in your business very successfully. Trying to run multiple businesses, though, as a single solopreneur is, um, I don't recommend it. <laughs> no,
1: definitely. I get that. Not
0: while trying to to be a mom as well. So, it's... um. It it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot out of you, and I'm just, as I get into my mid-40s, I don't have the energy I once did, and I would like to have a little more freedom and self-care time, so it was time to let something go.
1: Welcome to the show, Brenda Cadman.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: It's an absolute pleasure to have you here, and uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a fantastic episode today because we are talking about Canva.
0: We are, Yes.
1: Yeah, like it's uh, gone are the days where we needed the Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, all that stuff for basic functions. Not to say that the Adobe Suite isn't great. It is phenomenal. I even have a copy myself. Yeah. I'm a licensed user. But for most people, the basic use, the basic general things they need to do, they don't need sophisticated programs. So,
0: Yeah, it's far it's it's a really robust program. It's great for the people who need it, but for the typical business owner, they are not going to need that level of access to functions that Photoshop comes with. It has its place, but Canva has definitely knocked it off its position for a lot of a lot of the things that we need it for.
1: Absolutely. Now let's start off with an introduction of who you are, what you do, how you got there, and why you're doing it.
0: Okay. So my name is Brenda Cadman. I am a Canva verified expert. I'm one of currently less than 50 in the world. I think there's about 43 of us at this point. And I was one of the first 25 when the program opened up early 2022, but I've been a Canva certified creative before that as well. I have run a website. I ran a website development agency for over 20 years. It's Still, I'm getting out of the habit of saying that I still run it because I I closed it. I retired it in September 2022 so that I could focus 100% of my time on running this Canva education expert business. So that is what I do with all my time now. And the website development is behind me. And as far as why I do what I do, because I think this is an incredibly robust, Tool that business owners can use to create, to have more control over the kinds of content that they are putting out through their business. But a lot of them just don't know how to use it eff- efficiently and effectively in their business. So they need a little bit of a guiding hand, a little Canva guide on the side to help them learn how to use it better within their business. And that's what I do for them.
1: Very interesting. Like, uh, so you close the website uh, business. Yeah. And uh what was the inspiration there like like why? Like uh, like uh, like I could see how Canva can be an addition. Mm-hmm. But you went to the next step and just said forget what I did. I'm just going to do something then- new now.
0: Well, I was not the one doing the development. I was running the company doing it. I it was taking it was taking all my time. It was taking all my energy, it was taking all my bandwidth. It I I was tired. It was just time for something new and I think you Go through seasons in your business where you, you know, what used to serve you, what used to bring you a lot of joy and contentment no longer does. And if you ignore that, that's when you start really feeling those feelings of burnout. I was feeling that for a I had been feeling that for a period of time. I knew it was time to do something different and there was an opportunity here to grow this business instead, but not as long as I was trying to manage two completely different businesses and that one was just sucking all of my energy. So I had to let it go in order for this business to thrive. And as soon as I did within two months, I had my most profitable month in my business to date in 22 years. So it's it was a matter of letting go of something that was holding me back so that I could do the thing that was going to light me up in the future.
1: Right. See, that is uh, interesting, right? Like the minute you stopped doing something Mm -hmm. that you weren't feeling rewarding and did something Mm -hmm. different, you started uh, turning more, uh, a bigger profit. Yeah. That is incredible. Right. And (laughs) you know, it's so many times do we hear, That focuses everything and we should focus on what we want to do and become better at it and we have to niche down. And there's always that fear of, if I do that, I'm going to be missing out. But in a way, your story is proving that you might be missing out on what you don't want, but you're going to be gaining everything you do want.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there was fear because I knew it so well. It's what I'd done for so long. I had a team that I really loved working with. I had clients that I loved working with, and I did attempt two years prior to kind of niche down, downscale the offerings that I had to slowly move on out of the industry, but that just wasn't working. And I found myself being pulled back in and saying yes to more projects. And, there just there was one afternoon, and it just it would like i I don't even know what brought it on, but I just knew, okay, it's time I'm ready. I wasn't ready when I first tried to, and it was not a painful process. It was a matter of letting the final clients that I had held on to know that I was going to be taking the step. I made sure that they were moving on with somebody who was going to help them. So my lead developer built her was building her agency. So I just facilitated a handoff to her so that she could continue to work on their projects because she had had her fingers in all of them up until that point. So there was a familiarity there already. It was a very peaceful transition. It was easy to transition it once I had made the decision. I think I was just really struggling with the idea of letting go of what I knew, but also the bigger fear was letting clients down who had come to rely on me. And reliability is one of those things that I'm known for and it's a big part of my identity as being the person you can count on. So I think I was afraid of letting them down. But right. you know, you there's always a way. There's always a way to make sure they're taken care of and I found it and I moved on and now I, I'm really thrilled to get up and work every day as opposed to, I was feeling tired. I was feeling tired. So, which is
1: great. Like, so how long ago again, like when was the transition date again?
0: September 1st. So this is February, beginning of February. And yeah, it was a few months ago. Wow. Five months ago.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Roughly.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Something like that. It's uh, yeah, that's incredible. Like you took the leap. Very good. That's good, you know, like that's
0: yeah. Yep. Like, Haven't looked back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Like what would be the um what would say what was the most rewarding part of the switch?
0: Being able, I mean, I loved working on client projects, but being able to focus all my energy on building something for myself as opposed to spending all my time building things for other people. Makes sense. I just I needed that. And just on a financial perspective, to be able to have that revenue coming in and not have a very hefty cost of goods associated with it has <laughs> also been very enjoyable. But just personally knowing that when I get up, I have complete control over what I take on. I can work on building my own things. I can I can talk to people like you and have the time to have these conversations. But I also found that, um, Yeah, I mean, just I needed to have the space to be able to do my own thing and not also, also, especially in the website development field, there's so much unknown. Suddenly the hosting goes down and you're getting calls or emails on a Friday evening and you had planned on doing something for yourself. And now you've got this panicky client, understandably, if their business and their livelihood is wrapped up in something that has now been negatively impacted. And then you go into problem solving mode and there was just such it was difficult to plan for that. And I wanted something that gave me far more control over what my schedule looked like. I don't wake up in the morning, unsure what's going to happen in my day. There's certainly creativity within it and flexibility and no two days are the same, but I don't suddenly have a kind of a panic message in my inbox that I have to deal with. And I do not miss that at all. So that was (laughs) a big benefit.
1: Of course. Well, look, the, the, the key thing here is that in a way you've always kind of just gone into some form of entrepreneurship, whether you manage something or whether, you know, like where you could have gone through that old traditional, go to school, get a good education, get a good job, have a salary, I, do your nine I to five. I did all that
0: too. So yeah. <laughs> I did do that. And then, you know, I Tried something different, and it is a very different beast. But after doing it for this long, I don't think I, I I could go back and work for somebody else, but I think I would always feel constrained in a way that would make me uncomfortable. so
1: well, what was the motivation to take the leap to leave that? Because if you've never been into entrepreneurship beforehand, you wouldn't see the other side
0: injury? I had no ah. choice.
1: <laughs> okay. I
0: was not a born entrepreneur. That is not something that was ever on my radar. Um, I struggled with um, an, it, kind of an injury in my hand for much of my late teens and into my 20s. And um, I just was in a position where I injured it again and I had to take time off and I could not, I was in office administration. I couldn't do the constant pressure on my hand and the travel arrangements and the typing and all of the work that required so much of it. I needed the time off and I had to find something else that I could do. So that's when you start exploring what your skills are and what other things you might be interested in doing. And I i would not, ha- I was pushed into entrepreneurship. I, w- I would not have left otherwise
1: of my own accord. That's very interesting. I, I mean, that's yeah. wow, right? Like, again, usually there's a different catalyst and it's not usually what yeah. I'm used to hearing. Yeah, You know, like usually it's one of those things where people are miserable and they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And uh-huh. then they decide to try something different. Well, yours was uh, basically something out of, con- you know, out of your control, Yeah, entered your life and you had to make a choice. It wasn't whether you were staying or leaving. It was, what am I going to do?
0: Yeah, <laughs> right? it was, so- what am I going to do instead? And uh, there was a period of a couple of months of just letting my hand heal so I, I wasn't doing putting any pressure on it and figuring out what are my interests, What am I good at? What could I monetize? What do I need to do to create a business? And started dabbling here and there. started I had been playing with website development, or at least design since 95. 1995, and I had a strong administrative background, and would have always been an organizer. So you know, I did a little virtual assistant work. I did some web design. I did some profess. I did quite a lot of uh, professional organizing. My first real business, after all that, was working as a professional organizer, especially focused on filing systems and managing paper piles and all that for professionals and business owners, and um, I loved it. And looking back, I can clearly see that was not going to be scalable in terms of my time. But this was before social media. This was before all of the tools that we have available at our disposal now to create online businesses. Um, But I knew that I had found other skills that I could put out there and there was a market for it. It was just a matter of figuring out what does that look like. And then, you know, through evolution, through networking, you meet people, ended up meeting a business partner. We ran a, a digital marketing agency for eight years together and then went back out on my own and have been on my own ever since then. I guess that was 2013.
1: Wow. So, yeah. Incredible. So yeah. with that being said, now you rolled over to uh, Canva mm-hmm. and it wasn't, uh, obviously it was more of what you wanted. So I want, it wasn't a pain to transition because you were kind of no. sort of done with what you were doing. Yeah. But once you transition, there must have been some challenges that came up that you had to deal with to get to where you are right now.
0: I mean, honestly, when I, when I closed that business, I was already really entrenched in the Canva side of things. But I was just working incredibly long hours and I was stressed out because I was trying to do both of these businesses at the same time. So closing one just allowed me to do more of what I was already doing. I was already a Canva verified expert. I already had all this content. I already had a significant list belt built that I was you know, selling courses to and all of this. I just needed the freedom and the time to be able to further build visibility, further refine my systems and and all of that. So it was not a difficult transition because the hard part came trying to build all of that alongside running the website development agency. So- I mean, I, I understand some folks who want their their what do you call them multi-passionate entrepreneurs. You can have multiple things mm. in your business very successfully. Trying to run multiple businesses, though, as a single solopreneur is um I don't recommend
1: it. No, definitely. I get that. <laughs> Not
0: while trying to to be a mom as well. So it's um it it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot out of you. And I'm just as I get into my mid 40s I don't have the energy I once did and I would like to have a little more freedom and self-care time so it was time to let
1: something go. Right, makes sense. So with that being said, like looking at that like from what I'm hearing from what you said, a lot of your current business with Canva, like your clientele mm-hmm. is sort of coming based on like database driven.
0: So it's from list building absolutely. I I mean I also run a fairly large Facebook community that we're getting close to 10,000 people, which was built over the past few years. And, you know, I participate in summits and bundles and I participate in doing guest trainings. And there's a lot of ways. I'm very, very focused on relationship-driven marketing kinds of approaches. I don't really put a lot into ad spend. I have done Facebook ads and Instagram ads and all that in the past. And there's a place for that in my future as well. But I do a lot of just building relationships, networking in online groups, finding opportunities where I can teach what I know and being willing to give of my time. And 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 I'm fine to do that at this point because I'd rather give my time and build true credibility then only focus on doing ads and nothing else. I think a hybrid of the two would be the best scenario. But all of that through all of those efforts it has built my email list so you know and then I'm consistently emailing them every week to give them some sort of resource or tip or something to help them use Canva in their business. But it's it's just a different way of doing it but it is um, certainly if they come to build a relationship with you, that makes it easier to transition as well, because if they were learning website tips from me in the past, a lot of those folks transitioned over to my Canva list because they needed that as well for me. And they already had a bit of a relationship relationship with me in some capacity. So,
1: Right. Which is another thing you mentioned is email list, right? Like yeah. so many times right now, everyone thinks everything is in social media mm-hmm. as if that's the only thing that exists. But from my experience and from people I've talked to, that email lists are still generating a higher percentage of conversion and loyalty over and above the other stuff. I'm not saying the other stuff is not important, but I'm no. saying email is still quite valid. And these are people you already have relationships with, which is why they're on your email list.
0: Yep. I mean, it's multiple channels. You, you want to have all kinds of inroads to the content that you offer. Social is great. I very like I said I'm very active on Facebook groups, but I also know that over the years the ability to be seen by the audience that you have built on social media has become increasingly difficult without some sort of pay to play. And regardless of that, I don't own that platform. If Facebook's down, I if I was relying completely on it, I don't have any way to access those people. I don't want to lose my entire audience if something was to happen to them or if Meta decides they want to change the, the, you know, their rules of play in terms of how I can reach out to them. So it's been very important for me to get them onto my own email list because I can take those folks with me. If they choose to unsubscribe, that that's fine. Either they weren't the right fit for me or I'm not doing my job in terms of the kind of content that I'm sharing with them. But I have direct access to their inboxes, um, is every single person opening my email every single time? No, but you know, a lot of them have been on that list for years. So you know, consistency tends to win out, but I, I couldn't do this without my email list.
1: There's another key point you just mentioned, consistency. Yeah. Right? So yeah. many people uh, do something and it's like, I've done it for a month, it doesn't work. And it's like, not enough people see you in no. a month. <laughs>
0: no, absolutely not. That consistency, so not only the the length of time the duration that you've been doing it but they get an email from me every thursday there is a i am in there every single week so it's onus is on me to plan ahead in terms of what kind of value i'm going to share it doesn't have to be a new piece of content sometimes it's just revisiting something that i've shared in the past that they probably haven't seen to your point i mean the majority of people you know, you, you don't just share content one time, you can share it in multiple different ways, multiple different times, because most of the time they're not going to see it the first time, or even if they did, they're going to need that message in various different ways in order for it to actually resonate with them. So that can cons- the persistence in terms of emailing for you know, consistently for months. <laughs> I've done it for years, but also just regularly getting in there without overwhelming them. I'm also not in there every single day because my audience does not respond well to that. And besides the idea of emailing them every single day, no, I I have no desire to do that. That's too much work. Um, But weekly, I am in there and that builds a familiarity with my content such that even if I don't hear from them for a long period of time, there's a lot of lurkers on there that all of a sudden something I send out really is what they needed to hear in that moment. And you hear from them and they say how valuable it was so that you wouldn't get that without the consistency and the persistence.
1: For sure. For sure. And that. So with that being said, right, let's touch upon a bit into the social media spot. You have a uh, Facebook group that you, uh, how often do you uh, post? Like, what do you do? Lives there, post there? Like what's your group look like?
0: I mean, for the most part, it's more a kind of if you have a question about Canva posted in the group and you're, you know, I sometimes will answer questions. I don't want people to rely on me answering questions in that in that environment, though. Um, I There's enough people in there that other folks can go, usually jump in and, and speak to their own experience and what they've done when they've run into challenges with Canva. So I'm trying to create a community. I'm not trying to create an environment that is relying on me to answer all the questions. If if I was doing that, I'd I'd be putting a price tag on it. So <laughs> But it it's really I do get in there if there are new features that I think are important for people to be aware of. I'm sharing that because I'll usually have early access to know about that so that I can share that when it rolls out to other Canva accounts. If I have a new training or a new tutorial or I will share that content with them. But a lot of the time it's just a place for them to go and ask, you know, if they're running into a challenge to post a question and get some quick responses from other folks who are, are using the program as well.
1: Right. So In terms of your business, like Mm -hmm. uh, you're basically creating courses. Am I not? Am I correct?
0: So there's courses and then there's also um, one-on-one offers. Um, One of which I'm, there's a new one that I'm working on launching, but the main one right now is uh, VIP days if somebody wants to hire me for the day. But otherwise, the majority is through courses. Yeah.
1: Right. So how does that work? Like, how do you push that? How do you people come across you? And and like, how how did you build that over? a period of time.
0: I have quite a few lead magnets. I have quite a few free offers that folks can, can opt into with their email address so they can get free content. And then once they do that, they're on my list and and I it's just a matter of, you know, should I probably be pushing my courses harder? Yeah, probably. I I I struggle with finding the right balance between, you know, being good at sales and not feeling uncomfortable being too pushy, but really it comes back down to that email list once they have opted in for some free value it's a matter of letting them know about courses relevant courses that i have that are available so for example if somebody signs up i have right now a uh, create your canva filing cabinet challenge which is just five days simple little challenge to help get organized in canva on the back end of that is of course saying if you still need help with this I have a course that will walk you through the process in more detail. It's a $50 course uh, at 50 U S it's uh, 47 U S 57 Canadian. Cause I, you know, I'm Canadian based. So I'm going to offer Canadian currency yeah, yeah. as well. Um, but it's not a high price point kind of offer. So for a lot of folks who are struggling with that process, it's an easy sell to them because they want a little more help in that area. And I just am moving all of my stuff to evergreen because I, prefer that for my own mental health. I don't love live launching. And I figure if folks have an issue, if they're running into a challenge with Canva, it's usually something they need to solve now. So to be able to give them an offer that they can go to to solve that problem now is more effective than waiting for some sort of live program.
1: Great point. So getting into the program in Canva, like who would Canva be for and who is it not for?
0: Canva's for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite realistically, there is the reason they have over 100, 100 million monthly users is because it isn't just a business tool. A lot of business owners use it, but it's also a lot of education institutions and teachers use it. A lot of uh, nonprofit organizations use it. A lot of people use it for personal purposes. Maybe they are just wanting to design a birthday party invitation for their kid, or maybe they're creating materials for their church or their school. There's so many uses Uh across the board with so many different populations that it really has something anybody who needs to create some sort of content whether it is in a business capacity or something that is in their personal life is probably going to be able to derive some benefit from Canva.
1: Okay, that that makes sense. With yeah. that being said, though, there's a, a free version and there's a Correct. pro version. Yeah. And yes. what's the difference to between them? Like like I'm not, I'm sure there's not going to be a need for a pro account for everyone on the planet, but I'm sure there are people who, you know, would benefit.
0: And honestly, the free subscription is, is very, it, it, it really is very robust in terms of the features that it provides. And those folks who are using it, just for personal purposes, yeah, they probably aren't going to be able to get away without uh, you know, upgrading to Pro. There are specific features that even those folks might want to be able to take advantage of, like the background remover for photos or the ability, the resize functionality, or having access to the entirety of Canvas stock library with all their, not just photos, but icons and illustrations and audio and video and all of that. To take advantage of, they can get around some of the paid features and it's not such a big difference for them. But for a business owner, you really need to be considering if Pro is the right fit because things like their brand kit feature, every business is going to have some sort of visual brand kit. And if they don't, they really need to. And that is going to be a Pro only feature. So that alone, I think, really makes it worthwhile upgrading to Pro. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of kind of little differences. And and if you, you go to Canva's pricing page, they have a, a comparison chart of all the differences. But I think that, you know, there are specific features as a business owner that I would be really hard pressed to use Canva without. So that kit feature, the resize feature, the ability to download tra- images with transparent backgrounds, um, you know, access to more templates, things like that. I For the cost point, of i i think it's like under 13 dollars a month it it just makes sense to pay and it's probably going to be the least exp- one of the least expensive expenses for most business owners so
1: yeah 13 bucks yeah. isn't a huge amount
0: not going to break the bank <laughs> no
1: no and if you don't, if you don't have 13 dollars you probably have bigger problems than that
0: there's that so <laughs> yeah
1: so there you go now you mentioned something about a business kit like what's that about like maybe explain what is kit. that? Yeah, brand kit. That's it. That's what I meant. Sorry. So
0: the the brand kit. So any business is going to have a brand kit for a visual brand kit. It's going to consist of your logos, your color palettes, your, your brand's fonts, your imagery. Uh, those are kind of the visual components of it. A brand kit in general is also going to include things like your brand voice, your brand personality, and all these things that make you look and sound like you do and differentiate you from others in your market. In Canva specifically, their brand kit feature includes your logos, your color palette, and your fonts. So it gives you the option to the ability to be able to upload all of that in and have this brand kit actually have up to 100 brand kits if you manage multiple brands for different companies. So that when you're designing, when you're customizing templates, when you're creating content, you have all your fonts and your logos and your colors at your fingertips. You're not having to look for those each time. It's just far more effective in terms of the time that you're spending in Canva. It's a lot less frustration that comes from that. And it also ensures that you have really a lot of consistency across the marketing materials that you're creating, You know that you're using that exact same same shade of green every single time, that specific hex color value that is your green. You're not using a, an approximation because you do want to have that consistency across all the marketing content that you're putting out there. So this is just one feature that's going to make it a lot easier for you to be able to do that
1: makes sense now. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you something it could be a little bit touchy for some people, but I'm going to ask anyways. Go for it. Um with all the features that Canva can do, yeah. Is it at the point that uh, a company can eliminate their uh, marketing department?
0: No. No. Absolutely not. A tool is only as good as the strategy behind it. So, I mean, if you put, you know, a hammer and nails and various carpentry tools into my hands, I'm not going to create something that looks very good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to be creating the plans and have the know-how to use the tools. It's, it's it's, you know, the the metaphor breaks down a little bit, but the reality is that you still need to have an overarching plan. I mean, for some folks, yeah, they're going to be able to take a lot of the stuff in-house as far as creating content on the fly, having a lot more flexibility to be able to um, create different kinds of content that maybe they wouldn't have hired a graphic designer to do just because of the cost and and the you know not having the budget to do that. But I am a very big believer that it is important still to really invest in a talented branding or graphic designer to help you create those core brand pieces. So, you know, I don't want you creating your own logo and brand kit necessarily if you don't have an understanding of who your ideal client is and what your brand personality and your brand values are and how to translate those items into some sort of visual brand kit, that's what brand designers, that's what graphic designers have been trained to do. And they're going to be able to help you make sure that your your visual content that you're putting out is speaking to your audience. But I also think that once you've got those core pieces, you do need to be in a position where you can pull that into a brand kit in Canva, just pull those components that have been designed for you so that you are in a position to be able to create social content on the fly. I'm not going to reach out to my graphic designer to create an Instagram post for me. It doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make sense in terms of the time to turn it around. It doesn't make sense if I need the ability to quickly try different things and make revisions. But I sure as heck had her create the the actual visual elements, the, the logo and the colors and, um, you know, patterns and things that I can pull into my designs. So she gave me the tools to be able to pull in and now I have more flexibility, but there's a real, there's an opportunity for both. And I think that you need to, you need to be including both in terms of your marketing for your business.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I remember when I got into the marketing business back in the day, I opened up my marketing business and I remember I used to quote some people and they would look at it and said, I don't understand. Like, why so much? And I'm like, something going, takes work, but the computer does it. Right. So I was kind of uh, alluding to those remarks, yeah. basically, when I asked that question, because well, I know there's I mean, going to be people out there that think that. <laughs> sure.
0: But the computer does it, but the computer only does what you tell it to do. And yeah. you need the experience. And yeah, it might take me 10 minutes to do something now. It's the, my 20 years of ex- no, it took me 20 years to be able to do that <laughs> and to see that and to, to have that skill set to offer. So it yeah, the computer is a big part of it, but I'm telling it what to do. So yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a role for both.
1: For sure. That's awesome. So with that being said, what does your future look like in terms of like scalability and next steps? And, you know, what's your vision from here?
0: My vision is just, you know, to, I have a few other courses that I'm planning on launching and adding into the mix. Um, but I also wanted to spend a lot of time getting out there and talking about this platform and teaching business owners in particular how to use it more effectively and, you know, use opportunities for visibility to hopefully push folks towards those courses. But there's a lot of scalability in those. But, you know, the more that those are scaling and selling, the more. I can focus my own time on offering some one-on-one services, but only to the folks that I feel, you know, are a really great fit because um, like I said, I I'm getting a little older been doing this for some time. And I would like to um, claw some of my time back <laughs> to be able to spend with my, with my kiddo. And um I'm hoping there's more balance in my future if I'm honest, but I think that the ingredients are there now for a, a very successful, scalable online business. It's just a matter of doing more of what I'm doing.
1: Makes sense. Love it. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you one more question before we get into the lightning round. Ooh, Two lightning more questions, round. actually. Okay. Question one is how do you know you've had a successful day?
0: I how do I that's a great question. I have a sense of a sense of contentment and where I have struggled sometimes is equating con- product equating success and productivity with how much I got done how much I did and sometimes just doing a couple of really key things that'll move the needle in my business are just as if not more effective than working all day long so I kind of gauge it on my gut. Uh, There's a sense of contentment when I know I've had a successful day.
1: Fantastic. Last but not least, where do people find you?
0: Just find me at my website, brendacadman.com and uh, there's all kinds of links. Actually, if you go to brendacadman.com slash everything, it's going to give you everything that I offer in one nice simplified page. So
1: that's probably the best place. Fantastic. So off to the lightning round, a few fun questions. Oh boy. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> question one is what is your favorite food and why sushi?
0: <laughs> love it. Love it. I uh, grew up on in Vancouver, had sushi probably two to three times a week. It's been a lot less since I moved to the other side of the country uh, in Prince Edward Island, but I still absolutely love it. It's uh, my favorite food. I could honestly eat spicy su- uh, salmon rolls every day, I think without getting tired.
1: So nice favorite vacation spot,
0: Mexico. Riviera, Maya Riviera. Maya Riviera. Um haven't been since the before days. <laughs> uh-huh. Um uh pre-covid I used to go annually by myself for a, a business retreat just by myself for creativity and planning and all that and I haven't been back since 2018 actually. So I'm overdue and I'm looking forward to getting back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've never been but uh beautiful. Sounds yeah
0: great food, great people, beautiful beaches, yeah.
1: It's lovely. Favorite podcast or book?
0: Actually, non-business right now. I I am loving um three podcasts in in, in I'm specifically going non-business on this one because I have too many people in business and I'm not going to tur- turn off anybody. Uh, <laughs> favorite one right now, honestly, is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's always good for a laugh. Uh, and then also Maintenance Phase is a great one. And um, there's a new one. I think it's if uh, Books That Kill or something like that. So those are, those are
1: some really good listens. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least. Is gonna be if you were given unlimited amount of money, but you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend or use you get to keep, and what you don't gets taken away. What would you do?
0: I would uh put it all I would finally redo my kitchen, if I'm honest. I have I if I could knock off the remaining renovation packages on my uh renovation projects on my list. We, When we moved here, we purchased a designated heritage house and it's built in the 1850s and we have been renovating it ever since. And we have a garage to build and a kitchen to redo now. And I would love to smack a whole lot of money down on those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This has been amazing. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, this has been This has been incredible. What what an amazing show. I've learned a lot. And uh, you've had some really good tips in there. And I think that the audience will uh, find it valuable. And they'll uh, hopefully reach out to you when they're looking for help.
0: Sounds good. I appreciate it.
1: Pleasure. So with that being said, if you like the show, you like the episode, and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.